Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, how are you today? Excellent. No, we're not. We've had technological (laughs) issues all flipping morning. What did I say to you this morning? When life gives you lemons... You make lemonade. <laughs> I love the story because then your dad said, I've never heard that saying before. <laughs> Come on, Dad, you shall. Today, though, I've been waiting for this one for a couple of years. We're going to talk about traditional Chinese medicine. Amazing. But I didn't want to put you on the spot because, well, you know, I've done that a few times. I thought we'd get someone else in the studio so we can have a little bit of a conversation, a bit of a banter about it as well. Sure. There you go. Excellent. So... Today, our guest in this episode of The Wellness Collective is my myotherapist. And hang on, let me just talk about this because you know how we were talking about how you've got to have your people? Yes. Like your people that support you, your, yes. your, your practitioners that you can rely upon? Yes. This is my guy. Welcome to The Wellness Collective. Thank you very much. I'm Brian, Brian Kent. Um, I am a myotherapist and I'm also a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. So you get to see all kinds of ailments and situations. Certainly do. Uh, see, I'm jealous because I just see the one thing on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, musculoskeletal is kind of how I really started, but it's not where I've ended up. Um, and I literally just treat women's health all the time. So it's the same, pretty much the same thing on repeat. I feel like some days I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've given the same treatment six times over today, which is fine. Um, but I get very excited when I get to treat something outside of that and do, you know, sure. especially when it's pain relief or something really fun that you get to use some pretty wild and wonderful acupuncture points. But please tell the story because I don't know that I know the story. Okay, so I've actually never been to see Brian I've as a TCM. I've never met Brian. <laughs> no, no, I haven't been, never been to see him. For the he treats t- me telepathically most days. Are you going to let me talk? Mm-hmm, sorry. I've never been to see Brian for Chinese medicine, but I used to go and see him for myotherapy all the time. And uh, there was a patch where I didn't go for a few months and I booked in and I walked in the door. And what did you say to me? Hi, Cecilia. Great to see you again. That. And also, where are the f*** of you being? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, this is my man. No, that's This not is me. my guy. No, that's not you. <laughs> so, Brian, okay, what brought you to Chinese medicine? Because that wasn't your first thing that you studied, was it? No, no. So, originally, actually, I did computer science for 11 years. Wow. And then saw the light that that wasn't the way for me. Um, when I came to Australia, I went back to college, to RMIT, I studied Mayo for three years, and while I was doing that, I got introduced to Chinese medicine, to acupuncture specifically, through dry needling. And I remember one day we were in a class doing um, dry needling on each other, musculoskeletal points, and I had a bad bout of hay fever. And uh, the lecturer was actually a my therapist and an acupuncturist as well, and he got me to just lie down at the back of the class, lie down on one of the tables, I was sneezing, my eyes were itchy, my nose was running, and he just said to me, you know, I can use some acupuncture that might might be able to help you. And I said, yeah, yeah, anything to give me a bit of relief. So we put a few needles in my, my feet, my hands, my head, and uh, within about 20 minutes, I remember just feeling probably, you know, 80% better. That's assuming that 78% of statistics are made up on the spot. <laughs> you know, so. so you actually had like a personal experience that uh, made Absolutely, you think. absolutely. I knew very little about acupuncture before that. So I said to him, I said, geez, that, that's, that's amazing, that's great, what's the story? And he said, well, it's like taking antihistamine, it'll help you for today, but going forward, you know, tomorrow, if you get another hay fever attack, it's like starting from new again. 
So I ended up going to see him in his clinic uh, for about oh, seven or eight weeks in a row and taking some herbs and Chinese medicine, um, uh, some acupuncture and herbs as well. And that whole spring and summer, I only had a few bad um, mm. um, hay fever attacks. Normally, I'd be pretty bad. Mm. And that whole summer, I was really, really good. The occasional kind of time when I had to go to an antihistamine and stuff, but not that often. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, geez, there must be something to this. So I used to go to his clinic then just to observe who he was treating and what he was treating. And it was just really interesting. It was a whole oh range God. of things. So that brings me to my first question for both of you is, do you have to believe that it's going to work for Chinese medicine to work? Um, I'm not going to say I didn't believe, but I knew nothing about it. He said, this might help. I said, listen, just go for it. Um, so I was kind of open to it to something might be able to help me. Mm. And when I saw within half an hour how kind of good I was feeling, yeah. I was thinking there's something to this. Something in this. Mm. What about you? Yeah. Um, I would have once upon a time said you had to have some type of faith in the fact that it was going to work. However, um, that really changed when one of Chris's best mates was really unwell and he is the biggest sceptic on the planet and the only thing that works to fix anything for him is whatever is in the pharmacy, mm-hmm. um, not the natural section of the pharmacy. Whatever's behind the, those locked doors, <laughs> that's, that's, the, good where, that's the good stuff. He's like, why would you bother with the other stuff when you can just have that? Um, anyway, he was very unwell and had a series of um, l- pneumothorax or lung, lung collapses. Um, mm. He was a heavy smoker, so there was a reason behind it. But um, he, his final, um, he had to have surgery the final time that that happened to him and he said that after a while he started to notice that he felt like because they go in and they have to re-adhere the, the lung back to the cavity oh gosh they he goes I felt I could feel it like fluttering in my chest and he's I said one day exactly that oh I'll, I can give you some acupuncture we can see if it helps I'm not sure um and so he was like all right whatever so I treated him and no word of a lie he rang me a, maybe a week later and said that actually worked and can you come back? I can feel it coming back again. Mm. And so I, tra- I went on to treat him a few times and he was then converted. And <laughs> if you meet him, biggest sceptic about anything, like anything on the planet. So I feel like if it can work for him, it can absolutely work for anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's not really until you're in that state of desperation absolutely. that you really then go, I'm just going to try I don't really care mm. if this works or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, how old is... Chinese medicine as, as a concept, like two and a half thousand years oh, or something. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we say yeah, we like got that. taught three thousand years, but exactly. do we really know? No, like, well that's true. But I mean, you'd have to actually, you have to actually look at that as having some credence too, right? You know, it wouldn't oh, have gone on for that yeah. long. There's <laughs> nothing and, to it. And it's still going on. Absolutely. It's not as if it went on and stopped. I think it was Chairman Mao who tried to stop it, but then um, it made a bit of a, a bit of a comeback after. Uh, he uh, departed these uh, <laughs> this mortal coil, <laughs> and um, so it's not for everyone. But mm. um, it's it's definitely making a comeback, and there's lots of a uh, lot of places you can see it in now, kind of uh, IVF clinics and stuff like that. And um, a lot of people kind of say to me, "Oh, but you know, I can't scientifically prove it." And I said, "Well, why is science spending all this money on all these different acupuncture points and that kind of stuff if they can't prove it?" It's pretty They're exciting. They're certainly trying to prove it. Yeah, they are. And well, I think they have proven a few points now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. which is really exciting. And I always explain that to patients and say, yeah. "Well, actually, actually, this point has research behind it." The reality of that is, and what makes it really tricky is that 
it's not just the action of one point because we don't ever just needle one point. Mm. We needle a formula or a combination of points, which then gives another whole layer to how they all interact and work together. So, you know, it's like any ingredient. And again, this is the same in herbal medicine. You can have one ingredient that we might have researched, mm. but when you couple that with three other ingredients, the actions of that actually change. So the same with acupuncture. So it's the combination that actually gives an outcome. And how do you test that? Because there's trillions yeah. of different well, combinations that you would ever use. So <laughs> it becomes really difficult to be able to, and it's the intention of the practitioner as well. Oh, behind really? That. Oh, talk about that. Well, do you believe that? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so someone comes in. There's a lot of research in intention as practitioners, whether it's medical or otherwise. So tell me about that. Like, what? How do you how do you do intention? That I mean, I'm guessing as a practitioner, you would have a positive intention going into most consultations because you want results. Unless it's a patient you don't ever want to see again. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that that happens very often. And I would still have a very positive intention because I feel like that's karma was going to come back and bite me on the bum if I don't. You want them to get better so they don't come back. That's right, exactly. And the thing about someone who you don't really necessarily wouldn't be all on for. <laughs> uh, if you do a good job on them, they could turn out to be the best referrer in the world. Absolutely. And, and I have had that happen before. And they can turn and they can all of a sudden love you. Yes, that's really true. Uh, yeah. I have had that. Yeah, I really I've have had, had that. As well. But there's definitely a lot to be said about the intention of the practitioner. Wow. And the idea is, and that's actually what Dr. Sean Tassone studied. That's the whole idea of what he set out to prove was mm. that our intentions as practitioners then can... Have results. Yeah. Wow, I wonder if that's what sets some doctors apart from others in all mind body kinds medicine. of Mind-body medicine. Mind-body medicine. Thank you. Anyway, okay, so that brings me to my next part then. Is it safe? Because if you're talking about, okay, so one acupuncture point is does X, but then you combine it with, you know, a bunch of others, same with the herbs, how do we know that it's going to be safe for us? And then what do you have to look out for if you're on other medications or things going on? Well, with regard to safety, that's why you spend years in university learning what to do and not what to do. Usually the what to do is the easy part, is the what not to do is the more more difficult part. Mm. Personally, when uh, people come in and they're on, if they're on a lot of medications already, I won't give them herbs. I just would feel uncomfortable. You know, I wouldn't have kind of a hundred years of experience myself to know that kind of, oh, well, they're on these two things and I can't give them X, Y and Z. So I would just kind of play it safe more with acupuncture, and, and with regard to the, the safety of acupuncture, and again, that's when you spend your time in college mm. learning how to needle properly, safely, the proper depth, the proper direction, proper points. Like you're not going to go put a 50 mil needle into the middle of the back or kind of to the side into the lungs or something like that because you have to learn your anatomy and stuff as well. So you don't give pneumothoraxes and puncture lungs. But it happens, lungs. But yeah, it happens it so yeah. often with unqualified <clears throat> people giving acupuncture outside of their realm. So, you know, I'm not practising surgery. No. (laughs) And you wouldn't come to me for that. But I can definitely, you know, we've trained as acupuncturists over a period of time and it's, 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 there's a fair bit of training involved in doing that. And Mm. this is where I get a little bit upset because a chiropractor or a physio or anyone that's actually, you know, practising any type of treatments around the musculoskeletal system can often do a very short course in dry needling, ah. but 
will advertise that often as acupuncture yeah. and that's not what they're doing. So, you know, my mum said to me the other week, she works in a chiro clinic and she was saying how oh, at some point someone had got a pneumothorax from the chiropractor and I was like, that makes me so mad because the average person may not know the difference between dry needling and acupuncture for no. starters. And then that just puts us all in that one category of, of needling or acupuncture. And, you know, in my 15 years, touch wood, but I haven't done that ever mm. because I, I know what I can and can't do. So, you know, I had a patient in the other week and she sat down on the couch and she was laughing because she said, oh, my girlfriend chooses to go to the $2 clinic up the road and I choose to come here and you cost far more than they do. <laughs> but but she was like, but what the, she actually gets and what I actually get are worlds apart. So it's really important, I think, no matter who you're letting come near you, that you know what their qualifications are, what they've done, and their experience really does count. Mm. You can usually tell the intentions of a practitioner in the first kind of two minutes of conversation with them. If they're not looking you in the eye, they're kind of looking around and not taking you seriously, mm. you kind of go, yeah, I don't know if this person's up for this really. Totally. But they, I you think know. experience speaks volumes as well, because I don't know about you, and this probably might sound a little bit rude, but I remember being at university and looking around the room and there was maybe four people that I would let touch me in that room. I'm I'm the same. And I was literally, and I would pick my partner strategically after I had someone freehand needle me and I screamed so loud because they didn't know what they were doing. And that's not their fault. They were just learning, but we learned on each other. Mm. And so I was like, I need the person that has the best intention behind what they're about to do that takes this really seriously, that isn't just here for fun and games. Because, you know, especially when we're younger, our parents force us into studying something that we might not want to do, but it's a good idea for them or whoever. Mm. And so I do think experience does speak volumes in this instance. If you go to an experienced acupuncturist, because some people will come in and say, oh, I've had the worst experience, you know, so painful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "Mm, it shouldn't really be like that. You'll have some sensation, but it's not painful. I agree. The the first thing you got to do is when a person comes in the door, you got to just make them feel obviously comfortable and at ease. And but, do, but obviously other, you just swear at the patient when they walk yeah, in Yeah, he tells jokes and plays really bad music from the 80s. Hey, 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 I won't have bad words about my music. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break, but um, I've got piles more questions um, and we're going to get more into the depths of what goes on with TCM after this. We are here with, do we call yourself a doctor, Dr. No, Brian I, I, Kent? I don't call myself no, doctor. No, I don't no, really just, call no. myself doctor either. Is that funny? We're here with Brian Kent talking all about Chinese medicine. I think it works if you put doctor at the end. So well, you, you say doctor of Chinese medicine yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, I always okay. say doctor of Chinese medicine, but it's a big mouth. <laughs> it's a lot to say. Yeah. Especially yeah. with your name. I know, right? Mm. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> um, but uh, let's talk about, is acupuncture painful for a minute? Because I think that's mm. something that a lot of I people... I have never had it. Never. I've well, known you all this bizarre. time, known you all this time. I've had a bit of dry needling, but never acupuncture. There you go. Well, mm. what's Did the I feedback? Did I do the dry needling on you? Hmm. Yeah. My experience is dry needling is far more painful than mm-hmm. acupuncture because yeah. you're chasing trigger points or chasing tight spots to have an effect on that muscle tissue. And that can just get kind of a local twitch responses and they can be quite painful and achy. And then when you move the needle around to elicit more of a response, but again, that's what you're after. Mm. You know, as uncomfortable as that can be, 
it's far less uncomfortable than having a, an elbow stuck in you. <laughs> so, in your butt. <laughs> yeah. But when people come to see me, um, I find sometimes that people are booked in for acupuncture mm. and they'll come in and they'll start talking about, oh, I got this sore shoulder or sore lower back. I'll briefly explain the difference between acupuncture and dry needling. And I prefer to use dry needling for musculoskeletal issues rather than acupuncture. So I'll always kind of explain the difference of um, the two, and then I'll, I will use acupuncture. What is the oh, difference sorry, I'll, then? I'll use dry needling. Well, dry needling is purely for musculoskeletal injuries and issues. Mm. So you needle the spot locally. You'll elicit a response, and then you'll probably needle around the area to get the, uh, the trick points out of all those muscles as well. Whereas with acupuncture, you're going to go through a background and you're going to get kind of a Chinese medicine diagnosis, put a treatment plan in your head and you can kind of use local painful points, but you'll also kind of use distal points around the body that might help with um, decreasing pain, sensi- uh, pain sensitivity and, and that. But So we're going I back to that idea of treating the um, cause rather right. than... Yeah, yeah the root, with acupuncture. With yeah. acupuncture. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so with the dry needling, you go for the bit that's sore and you do the yeah. dry needling, but with acupuncture, you're looking at why is it sore and let's go back and try and get to the bottom of it. Ooh. I think that's also why, though, acupuncture gets a bit of a bad rap because people do confuse the two and people yeah. sort of say, lie down and say, oh, I've had it before and it was just awful mm. um, and trying to coax them into and And no doubt they get a response and they get relief, even though dry needling can be intense for some people. Absolutely. Um, no, I yeah. think also that's up to the practitioners to really listen as well. And I find that, I mean, I've certainly seen practitioners that have gone to town mm. and, I mean, I'm sensitive and I don't enjoy that and mm. I choose not to go back for that because that's my version of 20 minutes of living hell. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'd actually rather suffer the pain. Yeah. But acupuncture is different to that again. So, yeah. yeah. Let's just talk about quickly to like the long-term thing that you get with acupuncture. Like you were saying with the hay fever, that was not long-term, but but if you're doing hormones or fertility or if there's like a, an underlying illness that you're trying to treat, can that work in a long-term Well, with way? regard to the, the hay fever, and it was only, it was that was uh, just one session mm. to cure that particular time of it. Yeah. But that was just really do more of the symptoms more than anything. If you want to get to the, you know, the root of the origin of the problem, that's when you go back and have your Chinese medicine diagnosis. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's, and then you will have to go on a course of treatment mm. because if one session of acupuncture was going to cure your hay fever, <laughs> you'd all be out of a be job. Mi- we'd be millionaires <laughs> because everybody come to us one session of acupuncture. I'd be booked out for six months and it'd be two thousand dollars a hit. Yeah, hang on. I you think know? you might have stumbled on something. If I can get it down to one session, yes, if I you have. Can. <laughs> What about the diagnosis? I mean, do you often see people who have been through Western medicine channels and haven't got anywhere, so they're trying Chinese medicine as an alternative or as a, a last resort? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Particularly fertility issues. People kind of come in and kind of go, oh, yeah, I've been, myself and my partner have been trying to have a child for ages and mm. we've done this, we're going to look at IVF, but it's too expensive. And somebody kind of said we should look at um, acupuncture mm. and Chinese medicine. And I can often be my own worst salesman um, because I choose to sleep at night. <laughs> um, so I will explain to them, you know, this is not a quick fix. Mm. Uh, this is going to take, this could take up to six, nine months to to happen. But... You're not just trying to get them pregnant. You're trying to work out what's stopping them getting pregnant, getting the body working properly so they're having proper periods and proper ovulation. And So you're trying to promote the health of that as opposed to trying to just get them pregnant. So by you promoting the, the health of that, 
you have to kind of keep on treating them over a period of time mm. so that what's stopping them getting pregnant has been fixed and therefore the pregnancy, which is a symptom, will eventually happen. Isn't that funny hearing is, Brian is saying exactly your words coming out of his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm that was really I weird. I'm like, a bus there. hang on, I've, I feel like I've heard this before somewhere. <laughs> How about that? Well, we're all banging the same drum. We've been banging it for quite a while, I feel. I say that often. I'm like, we've all been sitting here banging this drum for quite some time and now all of a sudden... Everyone's like, hey. Oh, it's the same, you know, a lot of talk about periods all of a sudden. I'm like, I feel like we've been banging that drum for a while too. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is fine. It's all in good time. I which... often get told I know more about women's periods than the women themselves yes. do. I'm asking them we... all these questions about yes. fluid and flux and colour and clots yes. and clot sizes and all this kind of stuff and how many tampons they're using and yes. how is their filling and... All this kind of stuff, and they're all. Uh, Silly is losing they're it going, over there. I'm not sure. They, I'm not sure of the color, and I have. Well, is it one of these colors? Oh my here? goodness! Here's a nail <laughs> chart. It's like the nail salon with the different colors. No, but truthfully, I think um, what's like interesting with that is doctors, because when it comes to a male as opposed to a female practitioner, I think what's really interesting is we have to really enrol our female patients into our. Um, we have one male practitioner in the clinic. Yeah, and what's really interesting is that the receptionist really helps to educate the. the the patient in the fact that you can be non-subjective, you can be removed from it. Whereas, mm. as a woman, you have an emotional experience around your menstrual cycle. You don't. That's something that a male practitioner doesn't have. And some might say that to work against you, but I think that you can actually come at it from a completely different yeah, approach. And I think yeah. that's where that can really be what a lot of women actually need. Um, and so that's why that I think works very well. Yeah, mm. I mean, because as soon as you kind of say, oh, I'm going to ask you some very embarrassing questions now, you're already kind of not saying the right thing. That's right. Whereas I'm just going to say, okay, we've talked about your sleeping pattern yes. and all this kind of stuff. I want to talk about your menstrual history. Um, okay, and I just go straight into the questions. Yeah. And I'm kind of writing down stuff and I'm looking at them with a real matter-of-fact face. Mm. As opposed to, oh God, I'm really embarrassed to ask you this, but you know, would you mind telling me? You've not got the giggles. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> 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 There's nothing funny about periods. Th this is true. <laughs> and uh, when, when you have two young ladies growing up in your house, you will find that there's nothing laughing about it when they both yeah. fall into sync in a few mm -hmm. years' time. Yeah. No and the mother is probably going to go through menopause. Oh, uh -huh. you want to go on so a holiday the, then? No, I'm going to be doing my Chinese medicine breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> here before you have your potatoes That's have, right. have some of this have you heard <laughs> does Chinese medicine look at the emotional state of people as well as the physical very much so and how sometimes you have to kind of deactivate people when they come in because some mm. people are very very stressed so you can kind of talk to them about their you know uh, IVF or trying to get pregnant for example and if they're absolutely stressed to the high heavens you just got to address the fact of kind of saying listen this this is potentially stopping you getting pregnant, you know. So all the, you know, the, you you have to take on some mindfulness of your own. You gotta do, you know, whatever it is that's going to kind of calm you down, de-stress you. Be it yoga classes, mm. so whatever it might be. Yeah, so herbs, it, acupuncture, tai chi. Well, it that can, and again, um, you want to kind of hit it with as many kind of hammers as you can. So if, if you kind of have them on some kind of uh, mind-calming herbs or mind-calming acupuncture, mm. but then they're going back into a, then into their office and there's just, everything's hitting the fan, you know, all the Chinese medicine, the world is not going to stop that. So that's no. something that has to be addressed. Um, but if they're just stressed because they can't get pregnant and everything as well, 
you just got to be able to kind of say to them, you know, you have to address this. Mm. I can, you know, if you want to win the lottery, meet me halfway, buy a ticket. You have to kind of just address why you're so stressed. You know, and, and that's not an easy thing. Mm. You know, some people have been stressed all their lives or mm. anxious, going through anxiety. Although, oh my God, I don't know if I should be doing acupuncture. I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I should be doing that. Mm. You know, you got to calm people down. Yeah, I would always come back to also that Chinese medicine subscribes to the fact that, you know, any problem is generally 50% physical and 50% emotional. And we look at different organs for what the motion emotion might be. How does that work? Well, there's certain emotions that are associated to certain organs. So, for example, the mm -hmm. lung is sadness or the kidney is fear. Or We talk about the spleen, which isn't necessarily translate to the Western idea of spleen, but spleen being worry, um, what am I missing here? Liver being Liver anger. Being anger. Yeah. yeah. And so if there is a dominant emotion and the mm. heart joy or overjoy. Mm. So if there is a dominant emotion, and I talk about this in my book quite in quite um, great detail is, you know, if you constantly are feeling fear, but there's no real reason why you're feeling afraid, it's just that that's just your default, then we would look at maybe the physicality and the emotions of the kidneys as a kind of root cause that we spoke about before. Mm. Um, it's, it works wonderfully. I, I had a patient once and she was very kidney deficient and we, you know, worked a lot on her kidneys um, and she came in one day and said, I quit my job. I've been scared to do that for months. I'm like, oh my goodness, can you actually pay for your appointment today? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I just it was just very interesting that that there's definitely this emotional element. And if you think about it from a Western sense, you know, if you if you hear bad news, you tend to feel sick and yes. worry in your, in you your gut. Yep. If you feel elated or excited, you feel it in your chest, you know. If you um, yeah, feel... Yeah, it manifests in yeah, your body, for you, sure. You can definitely feel it. And yep. so I guess Chinese medicine's kind of just really narrowed that down mm. um, to the main organs that we use and treat systematically and then, um, you know, translating that into what patients are able to tell us about how their, their actual emotions and feelings. How do you do a diagnosis, though? Do you say to people, are you angry? I mean, you can tell if someone's stressed and anxious, that's pretty yeah. straight up, but, you know, how do you, where do you begin by going, I think the root cause is your kidneys here? Like, Well, you just go through a whole series of different questions. Hmm. So you're... Fascinated by the diagnosis. Because, I mean, yeah. when I go to the doctor, I'm the only one I'm seeing, right? with yeah. the issues. I don't see all these other people. So it's kind of interesting. Absolutely. But I think that, yeah, I mean, Chinese medicine has its own diagnostic system. Um, it's, I mean, I studied biosciences and before I studied Chinese medicine. And mm. I remember sitting in a um, Chinese medicine theory class and just thinking, what the heck are they talking about? This is just not how the real world works. Mm. Um, I had to very much unlearn everything that I'd learned to be able to take on this new system and approach to health. And it is ancient, a bit like Ayurvedic medicine, you know, it's very yeah. left of centre. Um, but you can generally explain it from a Western sense. And this is the other thing I love about Chinese medicine is when you cannot explain it in a Western sense, there's always an explanation in Chinese medicine. So... I was talking to a patient yesterday about endometriosis is a great example of this because you could have a patient that, you know, has endometriosis and from a Western perspective, we treat all endometriosis pretty much the same. Mm. But in the clinic, we would ask questions like, you know, the level of pain for you, where is that at? Do you find that it's better or worse with pressure? Is it better or worse with hot or cold? You know, really profiling their symptoms. And you often find that the patient that has 
a lot more pain, has less bleeding, it's better for pressure. If you were to look internally, you might find that their endometriosis actually isn't that substantial. They've got really small amounts as opposed to the person that has the maybe slightly less pain, very heavy bleeding, um, is definitely worse for pressure Mm. or heat. And if you were to look at them again, laparoscopically, they would have substantial and obvious amount of, of endometriosis. So one we would di- diagnose as a full type and one we would diagnose as an empty, quote-unquote, type. Mm. And so we would treat it differently. That's a quite a, I find that's a quite a good explanation because people can yeah. visualise that. Um, and the difference being is, one, if you've got a substantial amount of, of endometrial t- tissue growing... The theory in Chinese medicine is you've got the drive to actually move that out of the body. So the pain's slightly less, but the bleeding's going to be more as opposed to the empty type. You don't really have the drive. The tissue's not there to push it out. It's that it's from this kind of scanty, um, empty sort of um, idea, oh, wow. um, if that makes any sense. So I probably haven't done the best no, justice I, in explaining I that, but that's, you know, that's, really that's just a... We would do that for anything in the body. We profile, that's a really basic sense, but it's like, where is it located? Um, how does it respond to different elements? Is it a full type? Is it an empty type? You know, and that's how we would go um, about then being able to diagnose and treat based on that. Wow. How about that? (laughs) Just to finish up, coming from the physical kind of aspect of it, because you do um, a lot of work with sports people as well. Well, with myotherapy, I do. Yeah. yeah. Sports people, yeah. So do you find that you try and sell them onto the TCM as well? And what are the results like for that kind of thing? I wouldn't be a great salesman. <laughs> I know um, it's it will come up in conversation that I am a, a Chinese that you know I I do Chinese medicine as well. But it's if they're there for a specific thing, I'm, I'm going to treat treat that. Mm. Um, but if they kind of say, "Oh my God, I was trained so much," and they start mentioning other things that are kind of unrelated to what they came in with, I kind of say, "Oh." You know, in, in Chinese medicine, that means X or Y, or that means you, you're blood deficient. Or And they say, oh, but, you know, there's not wrong with my blood. And I said, from a Chinese medicine point of view, there is, but not from a... It's like, as um, as you were saying about the uh, the different organs, when you say spleen deficiency, people say, Jesus, what's wrong with my spleen? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with your spleen or your the, kidneys. The worst is the heart. If you say, yeah. oh, you know, we need to work on your heart, they'll be like, what the hell's wrong with my heart? You're like, nothing, actually. <laughs> physically, nothing. the phone, go... <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure that isn't the case. Thank you so much for coming in and being part of our discussion about TCM. No problem, but I couldn't I couldn't let her just take, you know, the whole like I don't need to. <laughs> I do not I say to people all the time that come into the clinic and they often find the clinic because of things like this and mm-hmm. me talking and whatnot. And I'll say, Oh, you're far better off seeing one of the other practitioners. They're far better than me. <laughs> I'm very happy to hand it over. I, lo- I love talking about it and I love I love, you know yeah. I love talking. That's actually what I love doing. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think know. also too, it does come back down to that, that thing that we've spoken about before about finding people that you resonate with. Mm. You know, if you get a, a doctor or a clinician of any sort that you really connect with, then I think your results and you, you drive to, to be better and get better so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be half the battle, can't it? Can be, absolutely. Yeah, and then you guys are on the flip side where you get a patient and you're like, oh, how do I uninvite them to come no, back No, we don't, un- <laughs> we don't really no. sack patients very often, but sometimes no. we have to have firm conversations. Absolutely. Yes. You know, in the back of my head is kind of... 
ANZ want me to take this patient? <laughs> I've got a mortgage to pay. ANZ want me to take this patient. That's right. All right. Well, until next time, we hope this episode of The Wellness Collective has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. In a Chinese medicine kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Is it qi? Qi? Qi. Qi. Hope your qi's good. <laughs> 